Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by my co-host, Ryan Roberts. And as Ryan was just saying before we started taping, today we've got maybe the most boring podcast for the 2023 NFL Draft. Guess what, folks? We're not talking about specialists. We're talking about interior offensive linemen. And yes, uh, specifically the guards. I think when we do centers, Ryan, centers are going to be fun, dude. I tweeted about it earlier. I'm I'm a big fan of Whipler. I'm a big fan of Tipman. I think there's going to be a little... Little juicy uh, talent there at the top of that that center class. There might be four guys good enough to go in the first two rounds, but dude, it gets really thin really quick with these guards. <laughs> I think it gets thin with the with the centers too, man. Like I agree, the top of the class is nice with John Michael Schmitz and Ricky Stromberg and Joe Titman and those cats. But I mean, after about four or five, you're like, eh, it's it a little bleak pretty quick. <laughs> and I mean, guards might be worse honestly this year because I don't know about you, Joe, but I have at least one guy that most people are projecting as a tackle in my guard list. So that's a little bit of a teaser, I guess, for you. But, I mean. I was going to ask about that guy, and I think I know who it is. And I don't want to spoil anything. But I, yeah. I think I'm keeping that guy at tackle just for the sake of the fact that I haven't watched him yet. And gotcha. I'm waiting until I get the tackles. But I think I know who you're talking about. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean. It's an unspectacular guard list, I guess. There's a lot of size, so if you like size, that's cool, I guess. But not a lot of well-rounded players, I would say. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. We're going to get to that coming up really soon. Before we get to that, folks, I just want to remind you to head on over to betonline.ag. It's your go-to source for all of your sports betting needs. Uh, I know that during the offseason, I'm sure you're like me, when football's not going on, I look for things to bet on because it makes basketball a little more entertaining hockey, a little bit, a little bit more entertaining for me. And I, I go and, do that bet online and you're but a degenerate. So I, I, I am a degenerate. Uh, I have to re up on bet online because I, I might have uh, gone through all my funds, but uh, bet online has all the latest odds, news and updates on sports betting. Uh, use promo code believe 50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. All right, Ryan, as we always do on this fantastic podcast, we start by going in reverse order, alternating back and forth. I am going to kick us off with a man who uh, I brought up on the Pac-12 SiriusXM channel uh, and got a little, little pushback on him, on, on who he is as a player. But I understand the value why some people like Andrew Voorhees. But here's my thought on him and why I have him at number five. Now, this is not a high five. This is not a, uh, oh, late first round five. No, this is fourth round five. This is <laughs> early fourth round five. He's yeah. an older player. He's a six-year guy. He's 24 years old. I see from him very technically sound player for the most part, not entirely consistent. I think that he's always in the right place at the right time. He's got good positioning. I feel his frame is very maxed out, which is where I have concerns. But my biggest issue with him, we're like, I think he's got a lot of good reps on tape, a lot of like nice, decent reps. Does not have a whole lot of drive in his legs. Is not one of those guys that's got, you know, like a big, heavy push when he's driving on run blocking. And his his anchor on pass protection is fine. But the even bigger part that I'm a bit hung up on is he doesn't have the length 
and he doesn't have the flexibility and the twitchiness to recover. So he gets in the right position. He's in the right spot on the initial jump of the play. And he's usually in a good enough spot to slow down some weaker defenders. But those twitchy interior guys, twitchier interior guys like um, Adamiola from Notre Dame, I believe is the pronunciation, yep. is a little bit more flexible than him, a little bit faster. He wasn't able to recover as easily, and he caught himself lunging a number of times in that Notre Dame game when I watched it. So my thoughts on Andrew Voorhees, did he even make your, your list? He did not make my list. I'm a, I'm, an, I'm a known Andrew Voorhees hater, which is fine. <laughs> Joe, I, I just – He's one of those guys. He when he he when he loses a rep, he loses it slowly, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Okay, it's both a good thing and a bad thing because it's better to just lose slowly than lose quickly in a rep, right? I mean, that's just basic stuff. But the point is, is that when you get to the NFL level, when guys take a step up from their length, explosiveness, size profiles, those reps that you're losing slowly becomes reps that you just lost. That's just the point by period two. There's nothing dominant about Andrew Voorhees. I think that he's a day three value pick because I think that he has had experience playing tackle at USC. He's had experience playing guard. He's not going to play tackle at the next level, but like, could he be good enough to maybe get you out of a game at right tackle, let's say? Like, I think he has some position flexibility in that regard. He can back up a couple interior spots. Maybe he could be a emergency guy at an offensive tackle position. That's cool. That's good. He's not what people try to make him out to be, though, in my opinion. I don't know if he's a starter. I mean, he's definitely not a starter short term. Could he be a starter down the road in the right situation? Sure. Anything's possible. But I I just – I don't see it, man. I don't see any one area where I'm like, that's a plus area. There's Mm. a bunch of areas that he's solid, right? Like you mentioned, he's solid. But he doesn't create a lot of movement at the point of attack. He's not great mirroring and pass protection. Like some of those – more flexible interior rushers, like you just said, with like a Jason Adam Malola, they're going to give him some problems, man. Like that's just the point blank. So I, I don't really get the Andrew Voorhees thing. I think he's a solid football player who PFF pumped up over the last two years. I mean, PFF grades are why people think he's good. Let's be honest with ourselves. That's he why is, people think he's good. He is the perfect PFF darling. And I, I have to say, though, this is not like a very confident placing him at fifth. And this is more of in line with what we talked about earlier, where there's just not a lot to work with after, after, as we start to get the five. And I, I was kind of torn on him and Braden Daniels. And the only reason why I went with, with Voorhees in this spot, is just that Voorhees is a little bit more experienced. And I, I saw that as like a, a nice depth piece and spot starter for Voorhees. And I, I like Braden Daniels from Utah. I think that he's very, you know, flexible guy, but he's, a, he's um, athletic. I like Daniels. Yeah. A little bit. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, uh, Daniels didn't make your list, did he? He did not. He did not. So who's he, your number five then? Uh, well, I'll I'll see your twenty four year old Pac twelve player, and I'll raise you another one. That is Jackson Kirkland from. Ah, okay, okay. I so this is another kid that the draft network pumped up way too much last year because of PFF grades, way too much. Mm-hmm. He it was a three hundred and thirty pound guard during his sophomore year, or. Redshirt junior, whatever. He's he's a six year kid, so do the math there, right? So twenty twenty one, he was a. So wait, let me work back. Twenty twenty, he was a tackle. Yes, is that right? Wait, yes. Twenty twenty okay, was when it. he went it. up against uh, Aiden Hutchinson and all that. Yes, yes. I got it now. Twenty nineteen, he was a guard. He was three hundred thirty pounds. Lost some weight. He was more of a three hundred fifty pound tackle in twenty twenty. 
2021, he was also a tackle, got banged up, and then this year they move him back inside to guard. That's kind of the transformation here. He's been at a lot of different weights during his career. Literally, he's been 310, 315, somewhere in that ballpark. He's been all the way up to 330. He weighed in at 322 pounds at the East-West Shrine Bowl. I think he's a I think he is starting upside on the next level as a guard. I do, because he is a nice frame to work with. I mean, I think he was, if I remember correctly, yeah, he was 6'6 six, six and 4A, so 6'6 six, six and a half, 322 pounds, 33 and 3 8 inch arms, so pretty good, 83 inch wingspan, 10 and 5 8 inch hands. He's got a big profile, man. And I think what you see best about Jackson Kirkland is when he's been healthy over the last two years, he, when he gets his weight transitioning upfield, he's a load to handle in the run game. He creates some easy, easy momentum in that regard. He's got some heavy hands. I just don't think he's incredibly flexible. Like, that's the one thing that I don't see a ton of. I think he's yeah. a good athlete. I think linearly he's fine. But when he's going up against Aiden Hutchinson, which you just mentioned, right, where he had a rough game, Aiden wasn't beating him around the corner. Aiden was just, when he got to a certain spot, you would just hit him with an inside move, an inside counter. And Jackson's just not a flexible enough of athlete to redirect in space and to be able to cut off that inside move. Like that's not him. So that's why he's not a tackle. But as a guard, those things are not as big a deal. They're not, right? Because you're playing in tighter confines. You're playing against guys that are not as twitchy as guys like Aiden Hutchinson against David Ajabo, like that brand of football player. So I think Jackson Kirkland's a guy that people have forgotten about a little bit because of what 2021 was to him, right? Like he did not have a good season. He got injured. But I really think that he had some good good moments as a guard this year, and I think that he has, at worst, a backup ability at both guards, could back up at a tackle spot as well, be a swing player. But I do think he has some starter upside. It's not going to be in year one. It might yeah. not even be in year two. But year three, year four, I think you're getting a tremendous value in a guy that Jackson Kirkland that is at least going to be a good backup in the first couple of years. Yeah, for me, Jackson Kirkland, uh, a nice transition there. I actually have him at number four. And I think the size thing, I fell in love with that, how big he is, and then how easily he moves for his size is really exciting. And I just – I see that there's like a, just a ton of value as a guy, that, that player that can move that well. He was – not very comfortable at tackle. And I think he benefited significantly from that bump into guard. He's an older player, which kind of sucks. It kind of sucks that we can't talk about him developing uh, and being developmental as much because he is older. But I, I think that there's a lot to work with there. I think that there are a lot of positives with him being that big and, and the power that he brings to the position. You talk about him being a load. Like there's not a lot of dudes in the NFL that are built like this that can move downhill and be that much of a presence in the run game. No, I think he's he's got he's a great player, fantastic player. I love I love placing Jackson Kirkland there at that that number four spot. Yeah, and I, I really think he's going to present tremendous value. A guy, Joe, at for me at number four, mm-hmm. I started going with tools in this class, right? Because okay. I could have went with Andrew Voorhees. I could have went with a couple other guys that are maybe more known commodities, but I wanted to go with guys that I think have translatable traits to potentially being starters at the next level. That's what I'm going with here. McClendon Curtis is a guy that I picked out of Chattanooga as my number four. Six foot five and six eights, I believe he was. Yep, six foot five and six eights. So six five and three quarters, 331 pounds, 35 inch arms, and an 84 inch wingspan. Has spent time in his career inside a guard. Transitioned out to left tackle for most of his Chattanooga season this past year. 
definitely a guard at the next level. I know he has the dimensions to maybe play tackle. And I know he even played a little bit of tackle at the senior bowl. But this kid, man, has some raw explosive power on contact. There are some reps where when he gets his when he's playing with good pad level and he gets a good initial surge off the line of scrimmage, he has displacement power. He can create some easy gaps, easy movement at the point of attack. There's just ease it's an easy translation to a run blocking perspective. Mm-hmm. Pass blocking, I think there's still it's still a work in progress. His footwork's all over the place. Like he just it, it's a it's a major work in progress. But when he gets his hands fitted inside those 35-inch arms just take over, man. And no movement is going to happen. He's ability to sit down on power, and there's a lot of traits to work with here that tell me McClendon Curtis is going to be a starting offensive guard at the next level, I believe, when all is said and done. I think he has that type of upside. I'm banking on this kid. The senior bowl was a little uneven, a little bit yeah. up and down. But I didn't expect him to be – I didn't expect him to be that, you know, the, like his teammate the year before, right? Where he ends up going to the first round. Like, I didn't expect that type of surge. He wasn't going to be Cole Strange. This is McClendon Curtis. He's raw. But I, rem- I still remember back to my conversation with their coach, Rusty Wright, who told me that McClendon Curtis might be the most talented football player he has ever coached. And that includes Cole Strange just went in the first round last year. So get this kid late day two. Early day three, somewhere in that third to fourth round range, draft him, stash him on a roster for a year, and I think you can flourish down the line because he has starter written all over him. It's just about the development for a McClendon Curtis. Yeah, we're. I have a feeling how these this back and forth is going to to shape out. By the way, for these rankings, because I have McClendon Curtis at three. <laughs> you're, you're you're setting me up really easily here. Uh, you hit the nail on the head, and I, I almost don't even want to really repeat too much of what you said, but like that, this is a traits pick for me, like you talked about. And I, I see some rankings out there that have McClendon Curtis a lot lower, but you have to acknowledge that somebody with his physical tools, this is his ability to move the length, and then the raw power, man. Like the raw power is exciting to watch. We did a uh, a scouting report episode on him in Osiris Torrance, and I was just in awe of of what he had when he was able to tap into that. Does he do it consistently? No, not entirely. And also on top of that, like you mentioned, the footwork's all over the place. But you see a guy like this, and this is why he was getting beat at the senior bowl. You see a guy like this as an offensive line coach, you're thinking, oh my God, how do I get this kid in line? And how do I get him in my starting lineup? Uh, How do I get him completely refined? Because he can be really, really freaking good. But I, I love McLennan Curtis. I think that he deserves more recognition for who he is as a player. And I think Kind of like with Cole Strange last year, you know, we got kind of hung up early on with saying that because he's a small school guy, like, does he really have the cap- capability? Uh, and I think that that he deserves more more draft type than a guy like Andrew Voorhees, who's already at a ceiling. Well, we talked about we've talked about Andrew Voorhees. We talked about Jackson Kirkland, who are older older prospects. They're more high floor than McLennan Curtis, obviously, right? Like, there there is a reality where McLennan Curtis becomes a starting guard in the NFL, there's also reality where he never cracks a roster. Like, there is a, a big gap there. There is. But what makes McLennan Curtis so interesting to me and why I value that type of player is that we're independent scouts, right? We're independent scouts. In that area, we can afford to gamble on traits more because at the end of the day, if McLennan Cur- if we bound the table for McLennan Curtis and he comes in and he doesn't do well, we won't get fired. That's the end of the all be all, right? That's why I always 
value traits over anything as an independent scout because I can take more gambles than a lot of NFL teams can be. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this, Joe, and I believe this, man, just looking at the list of, of guards that we're including, not only in this list, but just overall in this class, McClendon Curtis might have the most toolsy traits, highest upside of any guard in this class. He might. He I might. I think Osiris Torrance, it's, it's, it's close between the two of them. I mean, he might be a better athlete than Torrance, though. I mean, Torrance is battle-tested. He's, you know, SEC, you know, I mean, he's he's that type of guy, right? But, mm-hmm. I mean, if you told me that both are in the same situation and both develop to their ceiling, the absolute best they could be, McClendon Curtis could be a really good football player, man. He's yeah. exciting. He really is exciting. Who'd you have at number three? I had Cody Mock at number three. See, that's uh, what I knew was going to yeah. happen is that Cody Mock was going to slide his way in, in here and – that I like that was where I was torn. Where I was doing my rankings, and then I was like, "Wait, do I include Cody Mock in here?" And then I just oh, you think feeling. you th- you think he's the tackle I, I included in this? Oh, is he not the tackle that you included? He's not. Oh, yeah. I wonder what tackle you're talking about. Oh, that means you didn't put Steve Avila in here. Did not put Steve Avila. You here. didn't put Steve. Oh, you suck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I, I I I did not include. Cody Mock, though. I had him, I kept him as a tackle just because that's what he played in college. I think he does bump into guard, um, but I, I just think for the most part, he, he, I'm keeping him at tackle for my evaluation purposes. But why did you have him at number three? I think for me, man, like he, I think that he lacks length and consistency at offensive tackle. I don't think he's an offensive tackle. I think the best part of what Cody Mock does he gets down and dirty in the run game, man. He's got good movement skills, but he plays ferociously. Some guys, because I think athletically, Cody Mock can have some overcompensating traits to stay at an offensive tackle. I do think that. I, I think that his foot quickness is such where you can look, overlook the lack of length he has and say, you know, but, you know, he makes up for that in that department. But I think this is more a temperament thing for me. The guy plays like a guard. I want him playing in tight spaces because I think that he plays with a lot of hand violence. I think he's just a, a kind of a pissed off player in general. He plays with a mean demeanor, man. And at the end of the day, I'm betting on that guy inside a guard. I think that he could also be, as he keeps developing his power profile, I think he could be a scheme diverse football player because right now he's much more quickness than he is raw power. So I want him in more of an outside zone, inside zone type of system. But I do think that he has a frame where you continue to add weight to him he could be a scheme diverse player because I think as he puts on more power and more weight, he won't he'll be able to continue to maintain that foot quickness, in my opinion. Yeah, Mock is is gonna be a player that everyone is you know has a fun time talking about because of just how uh, how country he kind of looks, how how midwestern he looks and the presence he brings. And former tight end transitioned to tackle, and I do agree that he makes sense at guard. I'm kind of kicking myself for not including him in my guard grouping because I think my guard grouping might have been a little bit more talented. Um, I'm really curious though what that what that tackle was. Um, moving though up to my number two, yeah, who I have Steve Avila. Uh, I have had the biggest oh, he's, crush. He's that OG one. He's that OG one man. No, no, because I understand the value of Osiris Torrance, and I think it's obvious that Osiris Torrance was my number one guy. But I have been in love with Steve Avila since the beginning of the cycle. I loved him at center. He bumped out the guard and I think his profile fits center better. And I started to doubt Steve Avila a little bit when I watched his film, but I I was reassured 
on what I knew his strengths were at the senior bowl. He's not somebody who is going to be super flexible, super twitchy, but what he brings to the table is just really raw power. And he's, he moves pretty quick for his frame. Like this is a big, big dude at his size playing in the interior. I think he's like a 320, 330 pounder. I didn't write his, he's the only guy I didn't have his weight. 30, I think he's 331. If I remember, I yeah, think that's I, I, only guy I didn't have his weight written down in my notes, but I just think six, that six three and an, six three and an eighth, three hundred thirty-two pounds. Yes. three hundred thirty-two. Yep. That power shows up as a run blocker. That power shows up in pass protection. Where if he plants his anchor really well, nobody's going around him. And I think that like that conversation about Andrew Voorhees earlier, for us yep. to talk about a guy who's like a more well-rounded, older player, like I, instead of betting on a guy like Andrew Voorhees, who's not as twitchy. I'd rather bet on a guy like Steve Avila who's less twitchy because I think that he's a much meaner player. He's a much more aggressive player. And I think he finishes a little bit more in the run game, a lot more than Andrew Voorhees does. Yeah. Well, full disclosure, the only reason Steve Avila wasn't on my list is I haven't finished his final eval. I just have my summer notes. Oh. Still. I, haven't, I haven't broken him down fully yet. So Got it. Last, last time I saw Steve Avila outside of the senior bowl was him at center. I haven't really seen a much of him at guard at this point. So that's kind, that's kind okay. of why you didn't make the list. So just Fair. some uh, conversation there because I, I think he probably would have fit into the list. But, you know, again, that's a little bit of speculation. Number two for respect me, my boy. Respect my boy, Steve, man. <laughs> number two for es- Esteban, Steve. Esteban. Number two, Darnell Wright, University of Tennessee. 6'5 and an eighth, 342 pounds, 34 and an eighth inch arms. 82 and three-eighths inch wingspan. A player that a lot are projecting as an offensive tackle. He played mostly an offensive tackle at the Cedar Bowl, some inside at guard. He's another player. Could he last as a right tackle in the NFL? Possible. Probably could. Where would he fit best, though, is the question that I always ask myself about these types of evaluations. Better inside a guard, in my opinion. And that's just a point blank period to it. It's not him. It's not me saying that he can't play tackle. It's me trying to play him at the best possible position for him to hit his upside. And that's inside a guard, in my opinion. He's a massive kid, incredible power, incredible anchor and pass protection. But the one thing about the senior bowl is some people thought he played great. I thought he had a good week at tackle for the most part. But when he played against the speedier rushers, man, yeah. the Will McDonald's of the world, they gave him fits because I just don't think he's incredibly flexible. I don't. He is much more linear. He's got very good hand violence, strong hands. I love him inside at guard. I think he has Pro Bowl upside at guard. I think he's going to start probably a tackle, but I think eventually this is going to be like a Colecio Semeli type of situation where you're like, yeah, can he play tackle? Sure. But why am I putting this raging bull at tackle when I can put him inside at guard to dominate people on a snap to snap basis? Darnell Wright, guard for me. Not because he can't play tackle, but because I think he has tremendous upside inside a guard. Uh, I admittedly, just in general, at the senior bowl, like I thought he was fine. I think that this random surge in his draft stock was a little unexpected for me. Uh, I'm still sticking him at tackle just because of like where I had him listed. I don't have a final eval on him right now. But yeah. I find that interesting that you you bump them inside the guard. Joe, everybody does this every year, right? It's like these SEC offensive linemen that are multi-year starters. And I tell this to agents all the time, man. I'm like, look, mm-hmm. man, 
If I was an agent, I would want to invest in multi-year starting offensive linemen in the SEC. Why? Because they get overdrafted a lot. That's the point blank <laughs> period to it, man. It is. Yeah. I think Darnell. I think Darnell Wright's going to get a little overdrafted for what he is because he's going to get drafted to play offensive tackle, and he's probably going to get drafted in the first round to play offensive tackle. I think it's a mistake. I think he's an early wow. second round offensive guard at the next level who has developmental upsides to be very good in that role. Should not be an offensive tackle at the next level, in my opinion, for him to hit his ceiling. But we do this every year. Think of Alex Leatherwood. Think about Isaiah Wilson. We do this every year. Multi-year starters in the SEC go high. They always do, man. You can't, you can't pull it. Well, speaking of a starter in the SEC, our number one, I'm assuming you have the same number one as me, is Osiris Torrance from Florida. And like we're talking about a dude who's just got a silly power profile, man. This dude is so freaking strong. Now he's not very quick. You know, he's not gonna you're not gonna ask him to run a 40 yard dash because he's not not very fast. And I'm kind of afraid to see I, I, what his 40 think, time is. I think his lateral mobility is pretty good though for 347 yeah. pounds, whatever he right. is. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, he moves well, but at the same time, he's just he's so dense. But that's what makes him so good. And I, I think I'm not even gonna give him a player comp. He's a forklift. <laughs> My player comp for him is a forklift. That is what he does. He picks people up. He freaking carries them, and he just dominates people physically. I love it. I'm in love with it. I think early day two, somewhere in the second round, you draft him, drop him in your offensive line, and he's somebody who's just eating dudes up in the interior. I think Osiris Torrance from Florida is such a fun player to talk about. I think he is the highest floor of any guard in this class, man. Yep. Like, is, is there any chance that Osiris Torrance isn't at least a solid starting offensive t- offensive guard in the NFL? Yeah. Like, I just really doubt it, man. And it's funny because his his profile is almost tackle size, right? He's got six four and seven eights, so six five, three hundred thirty seven pounds, eleven and a quarter inch hands, which is just wild. So, like, that's some wildly big hands. Thirty three and seven eighth inch arms. 84-inch wingspan. That's a really good wingspan and arm length for an offensive tackle at the next level. So I like the fact that he can play outside his frame a little bit, you know, working, you know, doing some reach, you know, working play side, working backside on outside zone, inside zone. He can do some stuff working laterally, which I think is good. But you said it, Joe. This kid's an enforcer. This kid is a a tempo setter. He is a guy – that you look at and say, what is what is the what's it going to look like in the run game today for you guys? And he's the guy that shows what the success is going to be. Mm. It is dictated upon how much movement he can create. Such an easy, easy level of power, displacement power this kid has in the run game. And I think he's pretty good in pass protection too, man. Like he mirrors pretty well. And he's one of those guys with those big mitts he's got. When he gets inside on you, it's over with. Like there's no... There's no counter against this kid. He can set, set and replace his hands, get his hands back inside, work with power. I mean, this this kid's just a very good and very solid football player. There's just not really any holes in Osiris Torrance's game. Yeah, big, big fan of Osiris Torrance, and he's going to be a meaty, meaty man at the next level. Uh, that is a weird way to describe him. The forklift, put that on a T-shirt. At Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We'll be back with more. We've got centers coming up soon. We've also got a real athletic score prediction coming up really soon. That'll be really fun. Make sure you don't miss out. We'll be back.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.